This is Fine Rambles, number 51. So, <laughs> so I've been trying to think of, of a new framework or of just a new perspective to think about things. And, and this was sort of initiated by some things that I think are pretty well understood at this point. For example, you know, social media not being so good for us. And it being better to actually interact with people in real life, in person, where you can see, you know, body language and you can hear tone. Another input into this was the idea of just how, just how bad the news has gotten. It's just so negative all the time. You know, if it bleeds, it leads. It's all about fear and outrage and division and, oh, this is crazy. Okay, so I recently learned that for every journalist, there are now six PR agents, <laughs> right? Just think about that for a second. The industry is in such dire shape that it's outnumbered six to one by people who are basically in the spin game or in the professional lying game. And that's the result that you see in the news. It's very difficult to trust anymore what you hear or see in the news because so often it's wrong. So often it's just a lie. So here's the framework. The framework is high resolution, low resolution. So for example, social media, low resolution. It's just a photograph taken out of context. It's just a little bit of text. And then the in-person experience, by contrast, is high resolution. It's rich in detail and depth and information. News, low resolution, an actual experience you have would be high resolution. And then I was trying to, ex to expand this idea and apply it to other fields. And so, for example, I would say something that works, works, something that, <laughs> something that I can't even talk, something that works is low resolution because it just does what you want, right? You flip the light switch and the lights come on. You drive a car and it works. It's not until those things fail that you realize your understanding of them is very limited. They're essentially black boxes where you turn the switch and the thing works. You don't, you don't see the detail or the depth or the complexity of the grid underneath it or the engine, right? If you actually had to fix the car engine, you would start to see it in high resolution. Another example, I think, is just global versus local. Global is low resolution. We can never possibly understand everything that's going on in the world. The farther away it is, the less experience we have with it, the more our understanding of it is mediated by other people, the less accurate, the less detailed our knowledge is going to be. So, for example, if we think we understand the conflict in Syria, I think we're almost certainly wrong. A high-resolution approach to the world is where your map is pretty accurate. It's, it's detailed. You've really experienced the reality that the map portrays, right? The territory, like you really understand that territory. And then the low resolution is where your map is just terrible. And, you know, this leads me to a pretty, I think, evident, self-evident, intuitive, um, I don't know what the word is, but conclusion that says, stay, <laughs> stay where your map is good. And where your map is bad, don't go there so much. And if you go there, don't act. Don't think that your map is good. I mean, that's incredibly dangerous. You're going to have this mismatch between the way 
you think the world is and the way it actually is. And, you know, I always think about the movie Chinatown here, where the cops in the movie don't go into Chinatown. They don't act in Chinatown. And they do this from a position of humility, because they understand the culture is so different, they don't know the language, any information they get is going to be tainted. It's probably a lie, or it's self-serving. And so if they act, they're going to act based on poor information, on a low-resolution view of that world, and that action is going to have very negative consequences. That's the neocon interventionist. That's the guy who says, we're going to go invade this country based on a limited understanding. And then when things go really wrong, they're like, well, we thought we knew what we were doing. And then, you know, this is a Taleb idea. They have no skin in the game. They destroy a country and yet they remain in power. They aren't exposed to their mistakes. And that's that's a disaster. Another example, and uh, <laughs> here we're going to get a little political, is, is racism. This idea that if you view anyone based on an immutable characteristic, that's a problem, right? That's a low-resolution way to look at them. But it also works in the other direction. <laughs> if, you, if you put yourself into a group, if you think that the most important part of your identity is an immutable characteristic, that's a problem too, right? You're still, you're viewing yourself through a low-res lens. The alternative is to go the other way. Go high-res. Go high-res. Get to know someone, even a little, and you realize their race or sexuality, it isn't that important. People are pretty much the same. You know, okay, so so in high school, here's a story. So when I was in high school, I did an exchange program with Japan. And so we went and spent three weeks going to high school in Chiba. And I remember being very nervous and afraid. I had just traveled halfway around the world into a culture I didn't really understand, into a language I did not speak, this was as alien an environment as I had ever been in. And the first day in class, we had the exact same lesson that I had just had in my school in Wisconsin a week before. It, it, was, it was uncanny. They had the same diagram of the heart on the blackboard, the same blackboard. They had, <laughs> they had the same arrows showing the blood flow in the same colors. The kids were the same as the kids in my high school. And this experience really helped me understand this point, that people pretty much are the same. We have the same emotions. We have the same facial expressions, right? They've done this study of human universals. I think I'll actually put a link to it in, in the show notes because it's just, it's very reassuring and it's fascinating to see how every culture, every person in the world shares so much, right? We all value status. We all gossip. We all, we all fear snakes. We all, we all like sweets, right? Isn't that a wonderful idea, right? People, people have the same problems, the same struggles, the same fears, right? The same hopes, the same, the same stupid jokes, right? We worry about our children 
and we fear death and we have concerns about being poor and pain and getting older. The flip side is that, yes, people are the same, but they're also incredibly unique. I'm trying to think how to put this, right? We all, we all struggle, but your struggle is unique. We all, we all suffer, but your suffering is unique, right? Your experience is, is infinitely rich and, and complex and, and meaningful. And you have to understand that that's true of the person that you meet as well, right? When you meet someone in real life in high resolution, I, I guess I want to use the language of religion here. I mean, you're both manifestations of the divine. You, you came from the same place and now you're in the same place. Your paths were very different, but you're both made of of the same stuff. I don't I don't know a better way to put it. It's it's this idea of namaste. The god in me recognizes the god in you, right? We can if we share our experiences, if we learn to see each other in a high resolution way, we are going to learn the truth, which is we are going to see ourselves in the other person. We're going to connect with them based on not shared experiences, but experiences that rhyme in a sense, that I've suffered and you've suffered, and those were different, but in a way they were also the same. I'm trying to remember this experiment they ran. You know, you know hold on one sec. I think this is worth going to look for. Okay, I'm back. So this is very cool. They did this experiment that showed that it's actually relatively easy to make people fall in love with each other. And I think the Times did the original story. But the idea is that, and I'll post a link to this as well, is that if you have two people who ask each other 36 increasingly personal questions, and then you have them look each other in the eyes for four minutes the odds that they're going to fall in love go up dramatically. And I think this is just a wonderful idea, right? Right? It's a wonderful idea that we can connect with people this, this easily and that what it requires essentially is just a high resolution view of who that person is, right? So look at some of these, these questions. What is your most terrible memory? Wow, okay. Share an embarrassing moment in your life. What if anything is too serious to be joked about? Right? I mean, these are questions designed to give you a high-resolution approach of the person you're talking to. And then you look them in the eye. I mean, how more high-resolution, how much more real can you get? And then compare that to meeting someone on Tinder or arguing with someone on Twitter. This helps me at least try to think about how I should allocate time and attention. I should not be allocating it to social media. I should not be watching the news. I should not be trying to think of things on a global level. Okay, that's it for this week. I will catch you later.